worthy he is, how good he is. While we stay standing in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, to start our message for today, says, you know the generous, say generous, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor, so that by his poverty, he could make you rich. You know, when we move into a space of believing in a God of abundance rather than scarcity, it opens up our minds and our ability to see opportunities of generosity rather than what can I do? What am I able to do? And not just in giving, but in our lives. That this God who is so generous, COVID did not affect our God. There is not a shortage in who he is or what he can do or what he's going to do or what he gives us or provides for us. It doesn't matter what year it is, what month it is, or what situation we're facing. He is still an abundant God, a generous God who wants to move in our lives, who loves us and is there for us. But can we move into a place when we may feel that generosity around us is in scarce mode? whether in our own lives or just in the, the circumstances or culture, can we still see generosity moving in a way that's not natural? A generosity moving by our God, our Father. It's my hope and my prayer for today is that we talk about generosity as a value of the life church, that we would first and foremost see it in our God, can I pray for you this morning? Father, we thank you for this time, this opportunity to be in your space. And that these things that we tend to think are scary, whether it's in church or religion or just what we're facing in our lives, that they don't have to be. So may you open our eyes and open our hearts to your goodness here this morning. May we know of your goodness moving in our lives right here and right now. And may our lives be changed from this moment forward, even how much more it can be. Because you are in our lives. And we give you the praise and we give you the glory. And if you're with me this morning, give God a good amen and amen. Let's give it up for our worship team as well and media team. Thank you. Y'all may have a seat here this morning. We are in a series. I know we've got some guests here for baptisms at the end of service. So we're in a series called Doesn't Have to Be Scary. There's these aspects that we face in life that, that tend to uh, kind of create a fear. We kind of operate in this aspect of, man, but that's scary. And we've talked about a different couple things. And today we're talking about generosity. When I say generosity, I am not just talking about giving. You don't have to guard your pocketbooks yet, but, uh, but you know, it, it, we're not just limiting generosity to just one aspect of our faith. You know, the, this idea, I, I love, I was thinking about uh, our San Angelo campus had a huge construction project, and uh, we've got a guy, Frank, he's a plumber. I love Frank the plumber. I don't know, it just sounds fitting. I love it, and uh, he's a really awesome guy, and, uh, and he has his own company, and he's like, he's like, man, he's like, we went and took them through the warehouse. I know a lot of you are not familiar with our San Angelo campus. That is extremely large and, um, and huge. We've only built out half the space, and it's still so much warehouse space and, and, and that's, that's still left to build out. And, and he walks through there, and he's like, 
man, it just like, it tugged on his heart as he walked through the space. And he's like, look, anything that I can do, like I will do all this work for free, right? So we're not even just talking about giving. We're talking about, he had a resource that God had blessed him with. And he said, how can I be generous with what God has given me? How can I give back to God and be able to do something? So when I say that, it's immediately I was thinking about, about Frank, that this is living a life of generosity. We all have different, different gifts and different talents and different abilities and, and different things that, that we're blessed with. But, but moving into a place of generosity, there's, there's a couple of issues that I wanted to talk about this morning, a couple of obstacles that we tend to face in life when it comes to these things. And, and, and as I processed a couple of the things I felt God was placing on my heart for this church, um, for us to look at, I, there was one particular story, and it's a very popular story. Uh, we'll be in Luke chapter 10. The story of the Good Samaritan is very one of the more popular parables that Jesus teaches. And it all comes out of this teaching, or this teaching all comes out of this question and a teaching to a, a man who came up and said, what must I do to have eternal life? And he even answers correctly. You know, sometimes I think like sometimes we, we get the right answer with God, but then we say a little more than needed. And then he got the right answer. Love God with everything you have and, and love your neighbor and Jesus is like, hey, great, good job. You get A+. Plus. But, oh, man, so many times we throw that in there, that conjunction that brings a negative, typically a negativity after we say, but. So we want to contrast. We say something positive. I love them, but. Oh, don't finish. Stop right there. I know you want to finish that. But what comes after the but? oftentimes stinks. And sure enough, he goes, but who is my neighbor? And so Jesus, I love how Jesus doesn't just give an answer. He gives a story. And so Luke chapter 10, verse 30 says, Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed on the other side of the road. Two men, both with a religious responsibility in two ways. You'd think there'd be a religious responsibility to, to attend to the man, but also a religious responsibility to stay pure as they go to the temple and Preachers often, we want to like justify, well, but they had a reason to, 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 to cross to the other side of the road. On Monday, we had uh, uh, Pastor Shavonk's family. He was in class studying, and, and, uh, and his wife and his boys came over to the house, and they were teaching my wife uh, how to make Indian food. Oh, my goodness. That was a good night, and, and the two young ones are over there playing, and, and uh, we sit down, and, and I sit down with the boys, and we go to watch the movie Paddington. I love that movie. Such a fun movie. I know it's a kid movie, but it's one of my all-time favorites. I feel like all, most of my all-time favorites are probably kid movies, by the way. Family movies, whatever you want to call them. But anyway, The Talking Bear, if, you, if you're not familiar, you can look it up later. And, and, uh, and there's a spot in, in the movie Paddington where he's in the train station. He's found his way there from darkest Peru, and he's there, and he doesn't know anybody, and he's got a tag, and he's hoping that somebody will, will take him in and care for him. And almost like the, the man on the, the other side of the road, and Paddington's there, and the family walks by, the, um, and, and, uh, <laughs> and the father of the family, uh, I love this, he's like, 
Oh, oh, stranger danger, don't make eye contact. I feel like that's so many of us when it comes to generosity, right? Stranger danger, if I don't make eye contact, then, then we'll be okay. I felt like the first priest, he's like, I can only imagine uh, he, walking by on the road, and he's like, oh, no, man, on the stranger danger, like, just keep walking, get to the other side. If I don't make eye contact, I'll be okay. If I don't make eye contact with the beggar on the street corner, I'll be okay. If I don't make eye contact with the person that I know is in need, I'll be okay. If I don't make eye contact with the person I know from church in the grocery store, oh, yeah, like, you know, well, you know, yeah, surely that happens here. I know, I know Arlington's like four times bigger than my hometown, uh, San Angelo, but like it probably happens here as well. It's like, don't make eye contact, don't make eye contact, and just want to keep walking. And, and if, we can, if we can avoid that, we, we move into stranger danger mode if we can, if we can keep moving. And, 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 and social media doesn't help us. I'm not going to rag on social media, but although I didn't mind the break that happened this week, for whatever reason, I still found myself still opening the app. Why? I just opened it, and it didn't work. <laughs> and, uh, and maybe it was user error, right? Uh, and, and, you know, but, but social media makes it easy for us to be able to keep a distance from people or situations or circumstances, but yet still be in the know and keep a distance, and we keep that. And on point number one, one of our problems that we have is the problem of proximity, as long as there's a distance between me and the thing that needs my generosity, then I can keep from it. As long as I can cross to the other side of the road and keep a distance there and not get too close, keep my eyes from getting close, keep my heart from getting close, keep my, 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 my whatever God has blessed me with from getting too close. And I, I know this. I know this. I, I remember... I remember when God had even placed on my heart to start doing heart lunches, and he had placed this idea of putting together these bags for the homeless people begging on the street corner. I've shared about this in the past, and I remember when he gave me this idea, and then I didn't do it. I was the person in my car when I pulled up to a street corner, and, and there was a guy begging. And the thing was in this situation God had placed something on my heart. I had seen them at a distance, but now I was in a situation where all of a sudden he is right outside my window. And when I drive my Honda, I, I don't use the AC. I just roll the windows down. He's right there. If I had done what God had called me to do, I would have had no reason not to be able to obey in that moment. But there was a proximity issue in my life that I had not gotten close, even though God had given me this idea, I had not followed through with it yet. And now I'm in the moment. See, the idea that God had placed on my heart was to prepare me for a moment that he was going to plan for me. What has God been placing on your heart in these times and these things? Maybe, the, maybe it's a person to reach out to, invite to church, bless, pay for something. Maybe it's something more, and God's placed it on your heart, and you've not followed through yet. God's got a plan to use you. And I'm so grateful in my situation, in this situation, that I was in a position that God was still able to use me. It broke my heart so much that I disobeyed God in this moment. That I allowed the problem of proximity to overcome my life that, that I absolutely went home and I took care of what God had called me to do. I'm absolutely, now in my brokenheartedness, I'm going to absolutely obey God. Henry Nowen says, compassion is hard because it requires the inner disposition to go with others to a place where they are weak 
and vulnerable, lonely, and broken. And sometimes that's a fear that we might face because if I go with this person, I too could be in this place. I too will will face the devastation of life and circumstances. Not that I'm facing them, but because now I'm facing them with them. That can become hard sometimes. It can become scary. But that's the thing. God has blessed us and given to us for a purpose beyond ourselves for others. We've got to be able to be willing to move into that place. Let my heart get close. I I love this about homeless ministry. This is probably not a lot different from youth pastor. Being a youth pastor for so many years and people talking about, man, but teenagers are so scary. I don't know what if I can do. I'm like, just come hang out. Just come have fun. Like, just get near to what we're doing. Come play disc golf with us. Come play basketball with us. Come play ping pong with us. Whatever it is, come watch a movie with us and just hang out. Because if I, I believe wholeheartedly that if we can get near one another, then it'll help break down the walls and the issues that we face of, of, of fear and doubts and not knowing what it may be like. What does that look like for you? What does that look like for us as even a church? What is, what is a problem or proximity where we've been keeping somebody, a people group, an idea, a thought, uh, another, another religion, another, and I say another religion, my first thought typically is another version of Christianity. Um, it, it's that church and that denomination. It's really easy to do that as a non-denominational church, and we're just like, oh yeah, those people. I had some Baptists at my church last night. I don't know, Baptist, post-Baptist. And we were like, we were, I was picking on them. And, and so, you know, it's like, it's like that's all right. We, we got a place for you too, you know. We accept everybody, including you. And so we're, it's like, but what does that look like to move beyond the barriers, to move beyond those things? Well, we see that in Luke chapter 10, verse 33, back to the story. We see that, then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, closing the distance, closing the gap. Instead of moving away from the man in need, I'm going to move towards the man in need. So going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. And then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. It requires us to go to the man. We can only see if we get close enough to see. We can only understand if we get close enough to hear. We've got to be able to get close to what's calling our attention, to what's calling to us, and not move into a stranger danger protective moments and move close. What is it we've been avoiding? What is it we've been missing? What is it God's been calling us to do And we've missed out an opportunity simply out of a lack of obedience in our situations. And in Luke chapter 10, verse 35, the next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. 
This is where you would think the story is going to embody and my next point is going to have something to do with money and giving. Because here's the man who, who gave. I remember the first time this was enlightened to me and, and lit up in the scriptures. I read it and, and uh, the man just didn't pick him up. He didn't just take the time to pick him up and put him on his donkey and, and, and go out of his way and, and change his plans for the sake of the, the man that was in the, in the ditch and the situation. But, but he actually pays for him. And this would be where we may be able to stop and focus, but we're not done. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you next time I'm here. The next time that I'm here. My second point is the time it takes. The Samaritan went out of his way, his schedule, his plans, to help a man not only once, but twice. To not only show up for somebody else once, but then, then to say, regardless of the situation, he may be completely healed and whole, and I may not even owe anything else, but I'm going to show up again. I'm going to come back again. I'm going to check again. I'm going to be here. I'm going to go out of my way. How, much, how often must he go out of his way to, to, to show up for this man in need? This, this, this situation, and now that I've mentioned time, I'm sure a lot of you, you thought you had to clench your wallet when I mentioned money earlier, and I'm just joking. I'm being lighthearted on that. Please don't be offended, but now I mentioned time. Oh, time, I think, is even the bigger hot-button issue in today's society and culture because even though we all had the same amount of time each and every day, every week, every year, nobody's got time. And we all don't have it in the same kind of way <laughs> or different kind of ways, I meant to say. It's like the time it takes, but this is the very thing that absolutely I don't have. Absolutely, the time, the thing that everyone has, but yet no one has of. No matter your financial resources, this is the thing that we all have, though. Regardless of your talent, regardless of your bank account, regardless of your gifts, time is the thing that each and every one of us has the same of. God has blessed us all with the same time each and every day, the same 24 hours, the same minutes, the same seconds. This is the thing that we are called to use. But man, is it difficult? Is it challenging to, to, to move into this space? That the time is the most precious gift of all that we have. And I'm not just talking about uh, serving and, and, and I'm not, not trying to get you to volunteer and sign up on the form after service. Although if you want to, I won't stop you by any means. But time is this thing that we all have. This most precious gift. And here's the thing. To love people requires time because to come close to somebody means I can't just come close without giving you my time. And to give you my time is to give you me. It is for me to open up my own self to be able to do so, to have someone in my home for dinner or hanging out, to go out and do something or have an activity to, to, to join or attend or even lead a small group. There's this, this requirement that's there. Even to give requires time. Even if you feel like, oh, but it takes no time for me to drop my offering in the box, but yet you had to work for that time. I remember my teenage daughter, when she is, finally got her first job and she's working 
and uh, and and it was the first job, second job. Anyway, movie theater, Starbucks, and and she's she's working her job, and and I'm her like. She's excited, and, and she loves shoes, and, uh, you know, that's my fault probably. And, and she loves shoes, and, and, um, and she's starting to, like, she's doing all this, like, hey, I'm 16. I got my own money. I can buy things, and she's all excited, and, and driver's license and all this kinds of stuff. And, and I remember one time when I said, okay, hey, it's not a problem. That's fine. How many hours did you work for those shoes? Hmm. 16-year-old not making very much money at the movie theater all of a sudden had to do some math. And she's like, oh, okay. Money had a whole much different value for her when all of a sudden she had to put time to the value. The, the, the money itself didn't carry as much weight until all of a sudden she put it on the scales with time. And then she measured it differently. You know, and it's like, and she'd be like, well, that doesn't cost my dad as much time, but it cost me a lot more time than my dad. <laughs> it's like, yes, lesson learned, hopefully. I don't know. And, uh, She's 18 now. Just keep praying for her and us. And, um, but time. I, I love how Rick Warren, I was revisiting the, the, the wonderful book, uh, The Purpose Driven Life, and, and about halfway through it, going through it again. And, and Rick Warren, he says, the best way to spell love is T-I-M-E. Because the best way we're going to love people is to be with people, is to spend time with people, is to show up even at church like you are right now, giving of your time not just to God, but to his church, not just to God, but to his people, his sons and daughters collectively coming together to worship and praise and, and grow and, and experience his presence. This is a giving of time. But man, today's culture, I like how John Mark Comer said, love is incompatible with hurry. Incompatible with hurry. Because if I am hurrying in the midst of this situation, Am I really loving? And sometimes I know, I, I, I actually came across, I, I, I didn't make eye contact, but I did spot somebody. I, I was, by the way, when I use examples, I'm usually often ratting on myself, just so you know, unless the example's really bad, then it's you. But if it's not too bad, it's me. That's the way things work. And, uh, and sure enough, as at Walmart, I'd been there too long. I should have been getting home. I had other things to do. And I was looking at the electronics and where you always find me, and, and I'm like rushing out, and I, I didn't make eye contact with the person, so I, you know, I did the Paddington thing, I was safe, and, uh, and so, but, but I saw somebody, but I was like, oh, I just keep walking, I was like, I, it's like, and I tried to go out the exit where you can't actually go out, and I had to walk around me, anyway, it was a funny situation in my head, but, uh, but it's in this moment of like, oh, I gotta go, but if I'm in a hurry in those situations, it doesn't mean I don't care, but I'm not expressing love, what does that look like? And sometimes that's a situation. I remember I had a heart lunch in my, this is just even during quarantine this last year, and I had a heart lunch in my vehicle, and, and I kept driving, and I'm in San Angelo before I moved here, and, and, and it was a two double turning lane to the left, and, but I always needed to be in the right lane, and there's always a guy who, who was begging on the, the corner there on the left side, but I'm always in the right lane. I'm, I'm, I'm not, it's not convenient for me, to be in the proper lane, to close this proximity gap, right? To, to get close enough to give them the heart lunch. I've got it in my car. I've already prepared for what God has called me to do, but yet I did not want to get in that lane. And I'm tired and I got all my excuses. I got, I got excuses just like a Pharisee or the priest who's, who's going to church, right? And you know what? He's going to church and he's like, well, I got to stay clean for church. But that was his church in the ditch, by the way. 
His very responsibility of what he's going to prepare for is laying in the ditch. He, he's, he's giving up on this thing to go to what he thinks is a better thing. Jesus is telling us in this moment, he said, nothing is a better thing when it comes to this. This is the good thing to do. And I remember one day when I finally gave in, I did not out of, not out of desperation, not out of obe- obedience to God, but simply because the right lane was too long and someone cut out in front of me and I had to shift real fast and all of a sudden end up in the, right lane, the, the proper lane, the left lane, and all of a sudden I'm in that lane. Now he's right by my window. It's like, hmm, God, was that you? <laughs> and now I'm finally able to operate in obedience, finally able to do what God has called me to do. What is God been calling you to do. And maybe it's a tough thing because that person knew you before you got saved. They knew your drug habit, your other addictions before, and now God's calling you to reach out to them. You're like, God, really? They know my darkest secrets. And now you're going to call me to, to go talk to them, to invite them to church, to speak to them, to share the gospel with them, to just let them know how much they're loved and seen and cared for, to listen to them without judgment. Like, like man, this is tough. God, what is God calling you to do? What has he been pressing on your heart that maybe you haven't quite stepped into? Maybe you didn't know how to step into it yet. Maybe you just hadn't been obedient yet. Now's the time. Now's the time to set that aside, to set whatever else aside, to do what matters most. In Luke chapter 10, verse 36 and 37, continues, we see what has happened with the good Samaritan doing the good work. It says, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. The definition of generous, the straight up definition is, of a definition of a person, regarding a person showing a readiness to give more of something as money or time, which I thought was funny. Straight up definition, and it's referenced, references money and time. Two of the things we most uh, hold most dear in our lives that we might tend to clinch a hold of most in our lives. And yet we cannot be generous with a closed fist. We can only be generous with an open hand. And he says, uh, uh, give more of something as money or time than is strictly necessary or expected. The question is not, what can I give? The question is not even, what should I give? I believe the question should simply be put, what do I give? Even when we go to God, God, what can I give? Because the focus is still on me and my ability or my resources or what I have in the bank or what I have on the schedule or what I have the ability or time to do. But, but what can I give puts a focus there. What should I give? Absolutely. What should I give? How many times do we go time to tip? And it's what should I give? And we place the value on the service instead of the person. Instead of saying what should I give or what can I give, it's God What do I give? What do you call me to give above and beyond what I think is the should or the can? What is this that you call me to do? What do I give? And I'm glad that God did not answer his questions in the, what can I give? What is the bare minimum? What's what's the, 
the, the bare minimum of salvation, the price that I could pay to pay for salvation for my sons and my daughters to, to pave this way, what's the minimum that I can meet? No, no, no. God says it doesn't matter what the minimum is. I'm going to give the best. I'm going to give my son. In John chapter 1, verse 14, so the word became, you probably know this more commonly, the word became flesh. I like the New Living says the word became human, became one of us, with us. He made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Why? Because he's an abundant God that is not short on either of those things. He's not scraping by or trying to come up with enough to be able to give to you. So this is unfailing love and faithfulness. And, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. He gave his best. Say, so, yeah, it's not about what I had the time to do. He's not waiting for us to come close. God said, I'm going to take the time to close the gap. I'm going to take the time myself as God, the creator of the universe, to come near to them, to come near to you. He's not waiting on you to have the time. He's not waiting on you to come near. He's already made the time and come near himself. He's here, right here and now for you. It's not on your efforts. It's not on your abilities. It's not on what you have. This is like the same as the time. Each and every one of us has got the same time given to us. I'm not more special than you because I stand on this stage or Pastor Michael because he plays the guitar. We are each in this place equally loved by a Father in heaven who had created us and purposed us with so much that he would give his one and only son for each and every one of us because he would say, I'm taking the time and I'm closing the gap because it's all about me and my love and not about what you can accomplish and not about what you have to give. This is the goodness of God. This is who he is. And even in our rebelness and our disobedience and our wasting time and our putting things off, and he's still there. He's a God not bound by time, that he's still there. But it's up to us. It's up to us to say, yes, it's time for me to stop wasting time and to recognize how close he is. Jesus tells us this story of the Good Samaritan out of his own mouth, his own words to show us this is the God, a God who loves you so much that he shows up for you. And he doesn't just show up for you once. This God of time says, I'll be back. I'm going to come back again, whether you want to see that as the second coming of Jesus Christ or whether you want to see that as you've been far from God and today's the day that you're tired of wasting time. And you're like, God, I want to give my life back to you today. I, I gave my life and prayed the prayer of salvation when I was a child, when I was a teenager, when I was a, a, a young adult, when I was just yesterday, and yet I still found a way to screw it up and mess it up. And God, I want to turn back to you because it doesn't matter what situations you have faced or what sin you have over, been overcome by, he is still there. He has not been separated by our mistakes. He is not distant because of our valleys. He is still there for you.
and loves you. If you believe this here this morning, or maybe maybe you're struggling to believe it, you're struggling to, to function, these two, these two issues, the fear is overcome. What's been scary to you is hard to overcome. It's hard to give. It's hard to serve. There's these lies that have been, have been fed and, and you've been missing out on God because you've been missing out on just obedience. You've been missing out on opportunities. For far too long, you just not crossed or, or stayed even in, in where he's called you to and you've, you've gone to the other side of the road and today's the day to stop. Today's the day, turn back. Go back to what he's called you to do. Go back to what you, you, you moved into a stranger danger situation and atmosphere, go back. He's not a stranger and he's not putting you in danger. He's a God who loves you and cares about you. And so if you're in this space, I'd like to pray for you here this morning. God, I thank you for each and every person that you have drawn into this place. Thank you for being near to us right here and right now. And as we go and sing this final song, continue to press into your goodness. May you continue to speak to us. May you continue to show us who you are. May we see the face of Jesus and hear the Holy Spirit speaking to us and guiding us. We say we're sorry, God. We're sorry for crossing the road. We're sorry for averting our eyes. We're sorry for looking away. We're sorry for the excuses. We're sorry for the schedule. We're sorry for disobedience. If you'll repeat this after me, a simple prayer that's for each and every one of us, not just for those giving our lives to Christ, but for everybody, just repeat after me. Say, dear God, thank you for Jesus Christ. Not just a gift, but your best gift for me. Because you love me, you forgive me, you gave me a plan and a purpose. Help me to walk in it. Light my path. Give me wisdom and courage to follow Jesus Christ and to be him for those around me. In his name I pray. Amen and amen. Worship God. Thank him. Praise him. Whatever that looks like for you, let's stand right now. If you've not gotten ready for baptism, you can, you can go out the doors. And during this final song, you can get ready right now. And uh, here in a moment, we're gonna, after this song, we're going to celebrate water baptisms. We'll have something else here at the very end. So let, right, right now, let's just press into God and continue to seek his heart for our lives and what he's calling us to do right now.